guys, if you're watching on YouTube, I apologize uh, early on. Hopefully, we will be recording long enough for the backdrop to go down and the sun will go down. It's a window behind me. The glare is on my forehead. I apologize, but we had to get on with the show and the sun is just glaring, glaring down. If you're listening on audio, doesn't really matter now, does it? It's fine. You're listening on audio. Guys, welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful and, at least where I am, chilly Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on Podbean, listening on Apple, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple, all you have to do is just follow on there and share around with others. X, Instagram, and Facebook, we have those. All you have to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You will get trivia questions on Instagram stories. You'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, college football day today, jam-packed. We haven't done a college football episode in a couple of weeks due to, well, my voice. Also, Christmas now we're here, the first episode of 2024. Happy New Year. Hope everyone's had a have, you know, a great New Year's Day yesterday. College football playoff has happened. New Year's six happened. We're gonna recap some key bowl games. Not every bowl game, but we're gonna recap some key bowl games, especially the college football playoff, because that was a doozy. Got my picks wrong. Did not expect the national championship we're going to get. And by the way, speaking of the national championship, we're going to preview and predict the national championship until next week. It's the final week of college football until September. Well, late August technically, but nonetheless, we are jam-packed and we're ready to rock and roll. Guys, keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Keep liking it. Keep leaving comments down below. I want to hear your thoughts on what transpired yesterday. Guys, Instagram, Facebook, and X, keep talking to me on there. Keep plugging in on Pigskin Frenzy and just keep it on, keep it on, and stay in the course with Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, let's talk about some college football. And before before we get into the playoff, you're going to think, dude, you're not getting into the playoffs right away. I am. I'm, we're going to talk about the college football playoff. But, but before we get into it, let's dive deep into some of these bowl games and just talk about them really quick before we get into the playoffs because we're going to talk about the playoffs pretty much, you know, the back half of the episode. So let's talk about some of these bowl games. And let's kick it off going into this past Thursdays bowl game in the Alamo Bowl, because I really wanted to talk about this one. Arizona, Oklahoma. Uh, it was more of a uh, interesting ball game. I said that crucial stops <clears throat> had to be made, and I also said that it was an interesting game because it, it was going to be a back-and-forth offensively game. Not only that, here's an interesting, an interesting note on this. One's going into the Big 12 in 2024, and one's leaving the Big 12 in 2024. Oklahoma leaving for the SEC, Arizona leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12. Final score of that game was 38-24. I was wrong about that ball, this ball game. I thought Oklahoma was going to win close. Got it wrong. Got it wrong. We are... Uh, with Ball Frenzy, man, anything can happen. With Ball Mania, anything can happen. And uh, it happened. It happened with Arizona defeating Oklahoma, 38-24. Noah Fafita, 24 for 38 with 354 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Uh, DJ Williams played lights out, six carries, 27 yards and a touchdown. 
and Tarafaya McMillan, 10 receptions with 160 yards. Guys, uh, Jackson Arnold didn't do all that bad. He had 24 for 45, 361 yards, two touchdowns. But the only thing that happened was he played like a freshman. He had three interceptions, partially a fumble. And, uh, I mean, it was it was one of those games where with with Arizona, they were all over him defensively. We didn't think that Arizona was going to make that many turnovers. I didn't think OU was going to make that many turnovers either, but they did. Uh, six turnovers. Uh, and by the way, this episode, just going to just point this out, not very stat heavy, this episode. I usually go over the stats and trying something different here. We're just going to talk about it. I'm going to give you my honest thoughts of the game. Guys, Noah Fafita played a really good game. The defense for Arizona played a really, really good game. And Honestly, when you look at when you look at Arizona, they played lights out. Martel Arby, Mar- Martel Arby, uh, his story, wonderful story. Go and listen to his story; it's great. Um, but he played a lights out game for this for this Wildcats defense too. Jed Fish did an incredible job this season, uh, leading them to a ten win season. Arizona looked really, really good in that game. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were one of the, the top favorites to win the Big 12 going into 2024. Just going just to point that out there. Arizona, <clears throat> they looked dialed in. They looked like they were ready to commit. And they were rocking and rolling. Oklahoma, going back to the drawing board as they move to the SEC. But when you look at Arizona, when you look at Oklahoma, they look prepared on defense, but... Something was missing in that game, and I'll tell you what was missing, and that was the O-line. I think the O-line a little bit before you go into the SEC needs to get beefed up just a tiny bit before we, you know, switch over to the SEC. Because in the SEC, man, a lot of games are one of the trenches. And I feel like with OU, a lot of that needs to go down and a lot of that, and just beef up that O-line a little bit before you get into the games like Alabama, Ole Miss, LSU, every single week in the SEC. So for OU, just beef up that O-line. So this was the final game for Oklahoma as they entered the, you know, as they were in the Big 12. But not only that, look, Jackson Arnold, uh, despite the six turnovers and despite three interceptions, Jackson Arnold played, he showed signs of a, as a good quarterback. He threw the ball really well. He has a pretty ball, by the way. When he throws it, it glides and it spirals. I love watching him throw the football. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's not a bad quarterback. He's just played like a freshman. He's just got to get better with his timing. He's got to get better with his decision-making. And I feel like that was part of the three interceptions, timing and decision-making for Jackson Arnold. For Jackson Arnold, the sky's the limit. It really is. The sky's the limit for him. He looks like he could be a, a true a true threat later on in the SEC, uh, you know, for Oklahoma. So final score of this game, 38-24. Arizona defeats Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. And Arizona looking really, really good going into 2024. OU got, the, got some things to clean up before as they head to the SEC, but... We'll see what happens going going into August. Let's see what, see what, and not only August, we'll evaluate them in the spring because we're, we cover spring football here. So we'll evaluate them in the spring. <clears throat> that was a great bowl game. I really enjoyed it. Moving on, let's talk about and let's talk about this. The Rely Quest Bowl for a little bit. We're going into New Year's. Let's talk about the Rely Quest Bowl. LSU Wisconsin and. This game was a little different 
especially for LSU, they did not have their OC, Mike Denbrock. Uh, Mike Denbrock has taken the offensive coordinator job at Notre Dame, and he will not be back next year. Uh, Cortez Hankton, their receivers coach and quarterback coach Joe Sloan, was their co-offensive coordinator for the bowl game. Um, Jane Daniels did not play. He opted out. So Garrett Nussmeyer took over as a starting quarterback for the Tigers. Wisconsin put up a fight. Uh, they were leading 14-0 early on. They put up a fight. Uh, they showed some some heart on offense and defense. Tanner Mordecai, I mean, 378 yards, three touchdowns. Uh when you look at when you look at Jackson Aker, he put up a 14 carries, 86 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, when you look at Will Pauling, he put up eight receptions, 143 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, they, they play really good. They play good on offense, play good on defense. LSU didn't have an answer for them uh, on some plays defensively. I honestly thought that LSU played their best game defensively the whole season last yesterday, and I was saying something, especially since Mordecai put up 378 yards passing on them. Final score was 35-31. LSU takes the win over Wisconsin. But when you look at this game, and I picked LSU to win, when you look at the game, LSU was on its heels for a little bit. And I'm not talking about just defensively. Offensively as well. Garrett Nussmeyer. Let's talk about him for a little bit. Garrett Nussmeyer has the potential to be a strong quarterback, not only in the conference, but for LSU. He has a he has a he will most likely be the starter come USC on Sunday, September 1st of 2024. We understand that. All right. We that's not the problem. There are some areas where he's gonna have to develop. Point blank. If you if you if you want to hear my honest thoughts, here it is. A little bit of a different vibe for Pigskin Frenzy today. A little less stat heavy. A little bit more critique, and 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 just my honest analysis. He just got to do a little bit better. I mean, look, he played good. He had 395 yards. He was 31 for 45, three touchdowns and an interception. There were some areas though that it's not just about the turnover. You're thinking, okay, he threw that pick. He shouldn't have thrown that pick. He should have thrown the pick. Sure. There were some areas, though, where he needs to improve on. Uh, accuracy and timing. You're thinking, accuracy? Dude, have you seen him throw the ball? I did see him throw the ball. And he played, when he, he, made, he made some good throws, and it connected. There were some throws and some decision-making and some timing that he didn't look on and he didn't look at. Brian Thomas Jr. was wide open for a first down, and he threw it to a Chris Hilton who was covered. You know, stuff like that. For for LSU uh, was, you know, what came to a factor with Garrett Nussmeyer for LSU's offense yesterday. Going into half, they had the second fewest points uh, they've had all season. Wisconsin had the most points that they've had all year. Uh, LSU played hard on defense. They they let some plays go uh, in the secondary, but they played hard on defense. Um, they looked really good uh, in some areas. They stopped Wisconsin a couple of times. And that honestly kind of won them the game. They pressured Tanner Mordecai, and we haven't seen a lot of LSU pressuring anybody a lot, but they did. <clears throat> Excuse me. They did. They pressured Tanner Mordecai, and he, well, turnover on downs, right? So uh, 
tip your hat to LSU on defense and uh, on offense. They played good on offense. Malik Neighbors is now the all-time career receiving yard yards leader for LSU. Uh, amazing job for Malik Neighbors as he most most likely will head to the NFL along with Brian Thomas. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer just needs to improve in some areas, but can he improve? Yeah, I believe he can develop during the offseason. I would like to see what happens during the spring. I am a little bit on the heels of what LSU tends to do in 2024. Um, as my pick was totally wrong about LSU this season, but my my honest assessment is we got to see what happens in the spring with recruiting, with the second window of the portal going to open up during the spring. We're going to have to see what happens with LSU going into that, right? We're going to have to see what, what LSU does and what LSU brings to the table. I am curious to see what Wisconsin is going to do. Wisconsin did not look bad in that game at all. Tanner Mordecai looked good. Uh, he's on his way out. Tyler Van Dyke enters here in the Big Ten. And Wisconsin... They look like a team that could be very underrated going into the Big Ten next season. And Tyler, I want to see what Tyler Van Dyke does in that offense. I want to see what Wisconsin does heading into 2024. But in this game yesterday, they played really, really good on defense. Let's talk about Wisconsin for a little bit. And one guy in particular, let's talk about Hunter Wohler. Hunter Wohler, safety for the Wisconsin Badgers. He played lights out. He made some strong tackles, strong hits. Uh, he had seven total tackles. He played really good. He was the highlight on defense for Wisconsin. And when you look at Wisconsin and the Badgers and what they presented to LSU, they provided a challenge. They shut them down uh, on some areas defensively, and they shut them down. Uh, uh, you know, for LSU defensively, they really didn't shut them down. They just launched it, made some big plays for over 20-plus yards. Wisconsin had more 20-plus yard plays over LSU than LSU did over Wisconsin. And LSU's 20-plus-yard 20 20 yard plays happened because of how good their offense is and how strong their offense is. Uh, their offense is a little bit more different, uh, LSU's is, than, than with Jaden Daniels in there. So, uh, But Wisconsin, they look strong. They looked uh, like they were ready to play. They looked like they had a lot of heart, and Luke Fickle coached them very, very well. But in the end, LSU made a couple of stands, and LSU looked good on offense and drove down the field just enough with Garrett Nussmeyer to give them the win. 35-31, LSU defeats Wisconsin, and we're going to see what these two programs have in store for 2024 heading into spring football. We will be covering spring football because I want to give my honest thoughts on <clears throat> both these squads heading into the spring. My voice is a little bit, little bit rusty. Let me get a drink of water really quick <clears throat> and clear it <laughs> as we keep talking and moving forward with Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, what a bowl season and what a college football season we had. Next Tuesday, we will be giving our college football 2023 recap uh, after the national championship because it's not going to be much to talk about other than to recap and give my final thoughts of the 2023 season as we move ahead to spring football in 2024 uh, for college football on Tuesday. So that's my honest thoughts. Let's talk about another game really quick before we move ahead, move ahead into the New Year Six Bowls and then We'll move into the national championship. We're also going to talk about something going out of Michigan that you're not going to want to miss as well. Let's talk about the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. 
And you're thinking, that why are we talking about this game? We need to talk about this game for a little bit because I have something to say about Tennessee. I said Tennessee was going to win this game. I didn't think it was going to be all that close because of the offense of Iowa. I was right. Tennessee wins the game 35 to nothing. I didn't expect that score, but they won the game 35 nothing. Deacon Hill, he played not really play. He played good. He played the, he tried to do the best that he could, but it was just hard for him to get the ball moving. 7 for 18, 56 yards to interceptions. Marco Lanis, six carries, 51 yards. Caleb Brown, three receptions, 39 yards. And when you look at Tennessee, Dylan Sampson played lights out. 20 carries with 133 yards. The ground game for Tennessee is what got him going. Uh, when you look at uh, Ramel Keaton, Ramel Keaton played lights out for them at receiver. He did good. Three receptions, 51 yards. He is looking like a truth. Uh, he looks like a true threat for the Tennessee Volunteers, and he's looking like he may be back next year. I mean, he may be back next year. He may use the final year of eligibility. Uh, he's a redshirt senior. We're going to have to see what he does, and if he decides to go, he'll leave. But Ramel Keaton could be an option for the newly touted quarterback, Nico Amaliva, Amaliva, Liava, last year. So this is how you pronounce it. Let me just clear it all. Nico Amaliava, Amaliava, Nico Amaliava is their new starting quarterback. Joe Milton opted out, and he opted out late. Last time we talked, we said Joe Milton was going to play. Did not play. He opted out. Nico Amaliava started. The redshirt freshman, the redshirt freshman played. And let me want to tell you something, guys. Why don't you pay attention to this guy? Uh, we need to pay attention to him going into 2024. He looks like a true threat at quarterback. 12 for 19, 151 yards, a touchdown. You're thinking, those aren't superb numbers. Those aren't Heisman winning numbers. But he can put up those high. He can put up better numbers. He can put up big-time Heisman type of numbers. And he can. Because what I saw, what he did in high school was beyond me impressive. All right? It was impressive. <clears throat> and what I saw him do in high school was unbelievable. Nico Amaliava, he played pretty good in high school. He played pretty good in this game. He is the future for Tennessee and Josh Heupel's offense, and he's a perfect fit for Josh Heupel's offense. He threw the ball well. He made some decisions that were a little questionable, but that's okay. He's got to develop, and he's got to learn. He's a redshirt freshman, has not had much playing time, but he's going he's gonna to get that. Right, he's going to get it in 2024, especially in the new SEC with Texas and Oklahoma coming in. Big test coming in with North, with Oklahoma coming in Knoxville. All right, so uh, or, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're going going to Norman, my bad, going to Norman in 2024. So just key 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 thing there. How is Nico going to handle the pressure going on the road? Uh, we're going to have to figure that out, but he he handled some good pressure there. He played lights out for Tennessee. Their offense clicked on all cylinders with Amaliava in there. Uh, Iowa didn't have the offensive firepower. I said that they weren't going to have the offensive firepower. They need a new, they're going to get a new coordinator. Brian Ferentz is his last season there, and uh, Kurt Ferentz is, uh, will try to find a new offensive coordinator, and he will, you know, try to find kind of find a spark in Iowa's offense. Their defense, superb, but their defense couldn't hold on the whole game. 
their defense can get tired. You can get tired on defense, and you it wears them out. And when it wears you out, okay, this happens. 35 nothing happens. And Iowa just didn't have the, four, the horsepower on offense. Tennessee had the firepower on defense to slow down their offense and to stop their and shut out their offense. And 35 nothing happened. I was a team that I'm interested in, in, the, in going into 2024 just because of <clears throat> everything happening and because of the, how their offense is going to look and if, uh, if their how their defense is going to handle, you know, a USC, a UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, even a Wisconsin coming up uh, from the ashes. So it's just one of those things where what's going to happen, right? So I'm curious to see what Iowa does. I'm very curious about Tennessee. Uh, I've been curious about Tennessee, and I, I am I'm excited to see what they do with Nico uh, Amalavia at the helm on offense and see if they get back to some of that you know, that, that flashy, tight, fast-paced, up-tempo offense that they had with Hendon Hooker because they didn't really have that this season with Joe Milton. It was a little bit more of a pro-style, you know, type offense and rely on the run a lot more along with a lot of rely on your defense a lot more. Let's see what happens with Nico Amalavia because we reverted a little bit back to what y'all did with to what Josh Heupel did with Hendon Hooker with Nico Amalavia. So let's just see what happens there with him and let's just see what happens with the balls going into next year. And I'm very curious to see what happens with Iowa as well. 35-0, Tennessee defeats Iowa in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Let's move on to the New Year Six and let's talk about all the New Year Six games. Let's talk about the playoffs then let's break down what's going on in Ann Arbor before we talk about the national championship game and preview and predict that game and look ahead to Monday's game. Uh, so let's start it off with the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, Missouri-Ohio State. And when you look at this game, it was a uh, – <laughs> uh, let me just re let me reword this in the correct way as I can. The game was a little bit – Slow, <laughs> you know what I mean. A little bit slow, uh, offensively. Uh, it was three nothing and half. Ohio State was leading three nothing and half. Devin Brown was their starting quarterback. He hurt his ankle, and Lincoln Keen, uh, Lincoln Kleinholtz came in as their as the redshirt freshman came in as the that's the quarterback and play the rest of the game. Devin Brown didn't play as much because of his ankle. They were a limited. On offense, Marvin Harrison Jr. did not play. Uh, he is expected to declare for the NFL draft, I would assume, but we have no idea yet. It's not nor I can't confirm that. I just don't don't take my word for it. But I would assume since he sat out, he might declare for the NFL draft. But when you look at uh, and we'll talk about the draft on Thursdays. Don't worry. Uh, Lincoln Kleinholtz uh, had a little bit to work with. They had to run the ball a lot more with Travion Henderson. Uh, they had to, you know, they were trying to throw it a little bit with Amike Ayuka. Uh, it didn't work out completely because they couldn't get anything going offensively because it was a little bit more slow and because Kleinholz is a freshman. He's a, fre he's a redshirt freshman. And he is a quarterback who is just now developing into the college game. This is his first big test against a strong Missouri team. Um, a team, a Missouri team that, Deserved to be there and a team that was strong. Missouri capitalized on this. Uh, the Missouri at, at the first half was a little bit slow. Not even in the first half. I'll say in the third quarter was a little bit slow. But the fourth quarter hit and Missouri, as you heard my snap, 
turned it up. And <clears throat> they turned it up a lot. Final score, 14-3, Missouri. Missouri defeats Ohio State in the Goodyear Cotton Ball Classic. I picked Ohio State to win close. I was wrong. Eli Drinkwitz, give him his flowers. He is the SEC Coach of the Year. I, in my eyes, besides Kalen DeBoer, because you can argue it, is Coach of the Year. What a turnaround that Missouri had. They won the Cotton Bowl. They won a New Year's Six. They went 11-2. No one saw that coming. I thought Missouri was going to finish six in the SEC East. No one saw that coming. I didn't. By a show of hands, hypothetically, because I can't see you guys, and you can see me, but I can't see you. By a show of hands, how many of you guys thought that Missouri was going to go to the Cotton Bowl and beat Ohio State and go 11-2 and during the season? If I told you that in August, how many of you guys thought that? I bet your hands are all down because none of you guys thought that. I'll even go, I'll answer it for you. None of you guys thought that. I didn't even think that. No one thought Missouri was going to be what they were. And they were this amazing team who had a pretty solid offense and a, a pretty high-octane high offense with a pretty solid and stingy defensive front. Now, slow offensively to start off the game for both teams. But the fourth quarter, they... Finally, Missouri found a way to finally capitalize off of it took just one big play. We all said that. I was watching the game. I was covering the game. Uh, I talked to my good friend Josh Pate from Late Kick. He taught, He said to me, uh, this was a bowling shoe that was ugly, ugly. And he was right. I was right as well. Looked a little bit, looked a little bit crazy. I texted him back. I said, hey, Josh, finally, a touchdown. Raise your hands up in the air. Touchdown. Uh it just took one big play. That's all it took. One big play, and it happened. One big play. Theo Weiss got the play. First down. First down, Missouri. Touchdown, Cody Schrader. And Cody Schrader was the MVP of that game. Uh, along with, I mean, him and Brady Cook were MVPs along uh, along with that game. They were co-MVPs in my eyes. But Brady Cook, 11 for 18, 128 yards, touchdown. Cody Schrader, 29 carries, 128 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Mookie Johnson, uh, Marquez Johnson, uh, uh, one reception, big 50-yard play. Uh, for the Ohio State, Lincoln uh, Kleinholtz, 6 for 17, 86 yards. Trevion Henderson, 19 carries for 72 yards. And Amuke Abuka, 6 receptions with 63 yards. I expect Abuka to also enter the NFL draft. But, I mean, Ohio State's got a strong team. Ryan Day's got a strong team. They were there for a reason. And congrats to them on making it. They just did not have the firepower at quarterback to beat a Missouri. If Kyle McCord was playing for Ohio State, the outcome would have been different, I believe. I think the outcome would have been different. They would have had a firepower at quarterback on offense, but uh, Devin Brown, if Devin Brown would have still played, they would have been a, they could have scored, but Devin Brown got hurt. And they had a redshirt freshman and quarterback who didn't have the experience right then and there at the game uh, to drive the ball down the field. Missouri did, and that's how they capitalized on it. They did. They they had the firepower to do it, and they did it. They capitalized in the fourth quarter, and that's what Eli Drinkwitz preached. He said he was, during the fourth quarter, no one's touching us, and we're the best team out there, and they did. They did, and they believed, and they bought into what they preached, and Cody Schrader 
ice in his veins. Luther Burden got the last touchdown. Cody Schrader got the touchdown before that. 14-3, Missouri wins the game. Uh, for both teams, they both look solid. Uh, for both teams, uh, they were solid on defense. Offense was a little bit slow. Defense, can't say you're enough about the defensive performance for both teams. They both look good on defense. Nothing much to say. Missouri 11-2, Ohio State 11-2. Final score 14-3, Missouri defeats Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl Classic. Uh, very curious to see what Ohio State does to quarterback. Uh, I'm assuming they would go with Devin Brown, but they may need a backup plan because of the injury rose to Devin Brown. Uh, he got hurt in the Purdue game. He also got hurt in the Missouri game. I would say the conditioning of Devin Brown and the injury rose could be a concern a little bit going into the 2024 season, but let's see what happens here uh, between Devin Brown, Lincoln Ky uh, Kleinholtz, and the Ohio State Buckeyes to see what Ryan Day does. Uh, also on this game, an interesting note, Ryan Day was calling the plays majority of the game instead of Brian Hartline. Very interesting development there. <clears throat> I have a little bit to say on that, and I'll just say this. Um, I think... Uh, he did what he thought was best for him and the team. And that's all you really got to say on that. And at that point uh, with Ohio, with a, with Ryan day calling the plays, uh, maybe you could say, maybe they would have scored a little bit more and maybe they would have driven the ball down the field a little bit more with the plays. But if you're watching me on YouTube, I'm throwing my hands up because it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Missouri just looked really good in the fourth quarter. That's all I got to say about that. 14-3, Missouri beats Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl Classic. Let's move on uh, to the Peach Bowl. And uh, we're going to get to the Fiesta Bowl, and we're going to talk about the playoffs. But let's talk about the Peach Bowl for a little bit. And let's just, before we get to the Peach Bowl, before we get to the Peach Bowl, we're going to get to the Fiesta Bowl. Then the Orange Bowl, oh no. Uh, and you'll probably know why I just said oh no on that one. But let's talk about the Peach Bowl for a little bit. 38-25, Ole Miss defeats Penn State. I was similar with the score. I said it was going to be 42-21. Or I'm sorry, 42-28. 42-28, Ole Miss beats Penn State by 14. I was close. I wasn't far off. <clears throat> I was not far off. It was a 13-point win. 13-point win, so I almost covered my own, my own spread there, but uh, nonetheless, Ole Miss looked good, especially Jackson Dart, 12, 25 for 40, 379 yards, three touchdowns. He looked like a madman out there. He played lights out. He played some good football, and not only that, <clears throat> Ole Miss offensively just moved the ball down the field against Penn State. Yes, Penn State had some opt-outs in the Peach Bowl. Yes, they still had some backups in, but they still had some starters in, especially up front, but they got outmanned up front in the trenches. Ole Miss beat them physically in the trenches. They beat them offensively. They couldn't slow down their offense. Jackson Dart moved the ball at will against Penn State's de defense. James Franklin didn't know what to do. Drew Ollard, he didn't have a bad game, but there were some questions on offense for them where you got to think, okay, 
if you get the OC, if you get the right OC in next for 2024, will Drew Aller develop nicely? We just got to see what happens during the spring. Drew Aller, that was his first full season, you know, starting. Uh, Ten and three, not bad. He just has to develop on some things. Uh, he was 19 for 39, 295 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Katron uh, Allen, ten carries, 51 yards. Uh, Tyler Warren, five receptions, 127 yards. Allard and Warren had a connection that day. Uh, that day, and uh, they looked good, man. They looked good in that connection, but something was missing. I thought Allard was a quarterback, but just made some decisions that were questionable. It's all about developing your 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 your, your star quarterback, and that was Drew Allard. And if I'm Allard, I would just take some time during the spring. And work on some things, and uh, work on some, work on, you know, decision making, accuracy, timing, the main, the main. It's, it sounds it sounds cliche to say this, but the main basics of quarterbacking and being a quarterback. You should work on your timing, especially your timing and your decision making. Decision making is key. For Drew Allard in this, and he's got to develop in that area. For Penn State on defense, couldn't slow him down, but they made some good they gave some good plays uh, for you know and get some some good stops on defense. Uh, Kevin Winston Jr. nine total tackles. He did his best in the secondary, and he's uh, I'm pretty sure he will be a a star safety in the NFL. One day, Kevin Winston Jr. will be. So uh, they they did they made some cool, cool stops on defense. But when you look uh, overall, Ole Miss just had that game, and Ole Miss just took it at will. This is uh, that was my analysis on Penn State. Let's talk about Ole Miss really quick. Jackson Dart I already told you that Jackson Dart played lights out. Uh, Quinshawn Juckins, hundred and six yards, thirty four carries. Uh, Usually, uh, Bentley the fourth. 19 carries when you look at uh when you look at Trey Harris I mean oh my lord seven receptions with 134 yards uh when you look at Caden Prescorn Prescorn their tight end I mean when you look at their tight end he literally played a monster game 10 carry 10 receptions 136 yards two touchdowns played a monster game Jackson Dart uh Man, he played good. Quinshawn Junkins got a rece- uh, rece- uh, re- re- receiving touchdown, 14-yard receiving touchdown from Dart. Uh, this team looks solid, and going in, the, and they had their first 11-win season this season in school history. Their first 11-win season ever. This is the most game they most games they've won in a season. Lane Kiffin is doing something in Oxford. Look at the transfer portal right now. They have the number one transfer class. They got Walter Nolan, five-star defensive lineman from Texas A&M, who was the number one player in the portal. They got Juice Wells at from the, the transfer wide receiver from South Carolina. Trey Harris coming back. Jackson Dart coming back. Juckins is coming back. Uh, Dayton Wade should be coming back. Uh, Prescorn will most likely be back. Uh, I mean, uh, jo- uh, Jordan Watkins will be back. Uh, uh, Jared Ivy is coming back. I mean, they got some guys on defense that are coming back. Ole Miss is a team that is beefing up, and they're and not only beefing up, they're 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 adding some more depth to their skill positions and they're recruiting. 
You see, Ole Miss is a team that I would look out for in 2024. Uh, when you look at some teams in the SEC uh, and some Sharks in there, Ole Miss is going to be one of the Sharks, all right? They look like a team that will, uh, that is, I mean, you know, just line them up. Line them up. And you got another little birdie at receiver. His name is Evan Stewart, who is now in the transfer portal from Texas A&M, who's considering Ole Miss as a school. So when you look at their potential receiving core, if they have a Evan Stewart commit, right, you have Trey Harris, who was one of the who's one of the best returning receivers in the SEC, Juice Wells, who is one of the best returning receivers in the SEC, Jordan Watkins, who is one of the best returning receivers in the SEC, Evan Stewart, who was one of the best returning receivers in the SEC, and Dayton Wade. That receiving core is almost unstoppable. That is a scary receiving core with Jackson Dart, who will most likely be one of the best receive one of the best quarterbacks returning in the conference. So when you look at Ole Miss, they look like a team that is going to win some games. And who could repeat this very feat next season? I'm just going to say this now. 12-team playoff next year. When you look at the 12-team playoff and when you look at that field, Ole Miss is going to have one of those spots. They may not be by week top four, but Ole Miss is going to have one of those 12 playoff spots. They're going to, they could be an at-large at spot if we all know. They're going to have one of those spots. I am already going to guess that Ole Miss could be in the playoff next year. Based off their roster and their talent that they got, Ole Miss is going to be one of the best teams in the conference, and they're going to be in the 12-team playoff. Final score, 38-25. Ole Miss defeats Penn State, and they look good. They look really good heading into 2024. Lane Kevin's doing something in Oxford. Penn State, James Franklin just has to get a new OC, and we're just going to see what they do in spring. I'm very curious to see how the development of Drew Allard plays out in the Big Ten for Penn State. And let's see what Penn State does going into the spring and in 2024. Let's talk about the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, man, yesterday was something for the Fiesta Bowl. And when you look at it, at first, it was 6-3 Liberty. Liberty came up to fight in the first quarter. But late in the first quarter, Oregon turned it up. And in the second quarter, Oregon turned it up even more. And in the third quarter, they blew them out of the water. And then in the fourth quarter, it was time to go home. Final score, 45-6. Oregon defeats Liberty. I didn't think it was going to be that close. Uh, I think Oregon, I thought Oregon was going to win and it went outright. Uh, 45-6. I didn't expect it to be that bad, though. Oregon defeats Liberty and defeats the Flames. Uh, both quarterbacks played good in this game. Caden Salter played good. Bo Nix played good. Uh Caden Salter, 15 for 24, 126 yards and a touchdown and an interception. Um, Quentin Cooley, eight carries, 79 yards. CJ Daniels, eight receptions with 79 yards. But it was too hard to match what Oregon did. Bo Nix, 28 for 35, 363 yards, five touchdowns. Bucky Irving, 14 carries, 117 yards and a touchdown. And guys, let's look at Let's look at Tez Johnson over here. Tez Johnson, 11 receptions with 172 yards and one touchdown. Uh, uh, Treshawn Holden, five receptions with 69 yards, touchdown. Uh, Gary Bryant Jr., he played pretty good. He played lights out. He played pretty good football. He had touchdown, and he had 
as I'm trying to pull up my notes here, my, excuse me, my notes are acting up. Here we go. Four receptions, 62 yards, touchdown. And when you look at, when you look at the receiving core, Troy Franklin didn't play. He opted out. But when you look at the receiving core for Oregon this season, they were very underrated and they were solid group. And, uh, I'm pretty sure Dan Lanning couldn't be more proud of those guys. Uh, they played lights out on offense, played lights out on defense. The Ducks looked really, really good. They finished their season strong at 12-2 and two and won the Fiesta Bowl as they head to the Big Ten in 2024. And I'm very curious to see what happens there. And let's see what Dylan Gabriel has, has to say as the new starting quarterback for the Oregon Ducks. Uh, backing him up is Dante Moore for Oregon. Uh, so Dylan Gabriel will have one season with the Ducks. Um... And not only that, not only that, he'll have one season with the Ducks. Uh, Dante Moore will be the next guy right after Dylan Gabriel after his one season with the Ducks. He'll have three years of eligibility after Dylan Gabriel. So Dante Moore, man, we'll see what happens there. Oregon's looking like they're good hands in the, 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 like they're in good hands in the quarterback room. Oregon looks good. Very curious to see what they do in the spring. They look good on offense. They look good on defense. They made a couple of good stops on defense with Caden Salter. He was about to drop the ball down the field and Oregon stopped him on defense, turned the ball over. And, uh, those are some stuff, right? Those, those are some key moments right there that got Oregon the win. Uh, some play, some trick plays that they happened uh, with Bucky Irving. Bucky Irving was a true highlight for this team yesterday. Uh, they looked good in the Fiesta Bowl. Oregon just dominated. That's that's pretty much it. Oregon just dominated the whole time. Liberty, Caden Salter, they just couldn't really get much going after the first quarter, and they just couldn't score as much after the first quarter. Uh, and it was hard to play. It's hard to play a team like Oregon, who who was so dominant uh, this season and, and who's got a lot of guys and talented guys on that roster. So it's just kind of hard to sit and just say, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to try to match up with that and match up physically with Oregon. Oregon out physical them and just beat them outright. Uh, news out of Liberty, Caden Salter has entered the transfer portal. That was reported earlier today, and he is planning to enter the portal. Caden Salter came from Tennessee and to Liberty and is now going to transfer once again. We wish him best in his future endeavors and wherever he goes. Uh, the I don't know if he's going to be able to transfer out of this window now because the portal, this portal window closes in about, I think Thursday is when it closed, and he'll we'll have to see what happens during the spring when the spring window opens up for the transfer portal. And then after the spring window closes, obviously, it will close until December. So, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens there, uh, unless you're a graduate transfer, of course, unless... Unless you're that. So, Liberty 6, Oregon 45. They win the Fiesta Bowl, and we will see what happens with Liberty. We will see what happens with Oregon going into spring and in 2024 uh, in August. So, nothing much to say on that. We got to talk about it. Guys, I, honestly, after watching this game, I didn't know what to say. You know, I, I and I said that. I was talking, uh, I was talking to my dad and my father. He... Uh, and we were talking, sitting there, and we were watching, and I, and I said to myself, I don't know what to say. What do I go, what do I say Tuesday about the Orange Bowl? What do I say? Because it's hard. It's hard to find the words on what to say for this game. Orange Bowl, Georgia, Florida State, and 
the argument was should they have been in Florida State, in over Alabama, yada, 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 all that stuff. I'm not going to discuss it because we beat a dead horse with it. This game proved a lot and answered a lot of questions. 20 plus opt outs for Florida State. A lot of people opted out. So, give them. So, unfortunately, a lot of people opted out. Tate Rotemaker has entered the portal. So Brock Glenn was the new was the, is the new starting quarterback and started quarterback for Florida State. Uh, that is until the news broke that DJ Ungale is now transferring former Oregon State and Clemson quarterback is now transferring to his once rivals, the Florida State Seminoles. So DJ Ungale is going to add to the competition for Brock Glenn during the offseason. So he is now the new projected starter for the 2024 season for Florida State. DJ Ungale uh, now with his once, you know, will have to play his right. We'll have to play his former team in Clemson this, uh, most likely this season. So, but this game, uh, there was nothing much to it. Florida State uh, fought until the end, but they were outmatched. Everybody was playing for Georgia. Almost everybody was playing. They had a few opt-outs, but not like Florida State had. Florida State lost a lot. Georgia, they all were, they were all in. They wanted to prove a point, and they did. Final score, 63-3, Georgia. This was the most largest margin of victory in any bowl game in history. 60-point win over an undefeated ACC champion. 60 points. 60 points. The largest margin of victory over every over any bowl game in history. You know who what was the largest largest margin of victory? Last year's national championship game when Georgia beat TCU 65-7. It was like 50, 50 50-something points, 56 points, 56 points. They beat their own record, for crying out loud. They beat their own record. Guys, the argument... And let me just look at Carson Beck. Carson Beck, 200, 203 yards, two touchdowns. Kendall Milton, nine carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns. Drake Bell played really, get, really good. They had their backups in. Jackson Muschamp, Will Muschamp's son, was in. He made a powerful run. Brock Glenn, 139 yards, two interceptions. Uh, this is for Florida State. Uh, Douglas, uh, eight carries, 46 yards. Kentron, uh, uh, Portier, Portier. Uh, Four receptions, 84 yards. A lot of opt-outs. Florida State, they made it to the Orange Bowl. Had a great season. Unfortunately, it didn't work out with Jordan Travis, you know, getting hurt. It is what it is. They would have made the playoffs, by the way. They would have. But it is what it is. They got put out. The playoff committee is probably sitting there going, oh, yeah, we told you Florida State, you know, shouldn't have gotten in. Right. Here's the deal. They still got it wrong. Because this is what I'm realizing. I'm realizing that probably one of the best teams this weekend was left out. And it was Georgia, okay? Despite the loss to Alabama, Georgia, talking about the four best teams, should have been in. Georgia's the best team I've seen all weekend. All weekend. All New Year's Six Bowl, playoffs included. Georgia was the best team we saw this weekend. 63-3. 63-3. If you would have put them in the playoffs, I'm pretty sure Georgia would have won the national championship. 
Hands down. I'm pretty sure Georgia would have won the national championship. You want to be honest? Let's be honest here. They probably would have won the national title. 63-3. There's nothing else to say. Georgia dominated. They dominated from start to finish. And they were out. And Florida State was outmatched. Georgia was should, could have three-peated if they got put in that 14 playoff. But they didn't. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Georgia 63, Florida State 3, but they were the best team that weekend. If I am the Associated Press poll, and we, we discuss this all the time, if I'm the Associated Press poll, I would highly consider putting Georgia in that top two to finish the season. That's just me. That is just me. I'm not going to sit there and say that, they, that they're going to do that and they should do that, but if I'm a part of the AP poll, I'm voting Georgia in the top two. They are the best. They were the best team this weekend. 63-3. I didn't spend much time talking about this game because there was nothing a lot to talk about. Georgia looks like looked like Georgia. If they would have been in the playoff, what could have been? Right? What could have been? Final score 63-3. Florida State going back to the drawing board. Let's see what they do in 2024. Uh their first game is week zero, August 30, uh, or I think all all the week before. The August 3rd. I think, no, it's not. It's week one, August 31st. I think it's in Dublin against Georgia Tech. And we will have DJ Uga Ungole, most likely being their new starting quarterback. Carson Beck and company will be back for Georgia in 2024. Very curious to see what Georgia does in 2024, especially with the stuff they have on their schedule. Alabama, Ole Miss, Texas. I mean, they got a lot of games on their schedule coming up. So let's see what happens with Georgia going into 2024 and let's see what happens with Carson Beck as their starting quarterback heading in to 2024. So uh, I'm pretty, uh, Lad McConkey declared for the draft, so he won't be back. Brock Bowers, he may be back. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if he comes back or not. We don't know yet, but I, I would assume Brock Bowers will declare for the draft, but we will see what happens there. But Carson Beck, he's back and they're going to rock and roll. In Athens. So 63-3, Georgia defeats Florida State in the Orange Bowl. It's time. You've waited 45 minutes now. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the college football playoff. And I let's talk about the college football playoff. Let's talk about Michigan and let's preview and predict the national championship game between the two teams that we're going to mention. Let's talk about the Rose Bowl. Uh <laughs> the Rose Bowl. Uh, you're thinking right now, man, how wrong were you? How wrong were you? I was wrong. I'll admit that. I was wrong. I picked Alabama to win. I said that Alabama was going to uh, win by 10 points. Uh, it was kind of hard to deny Alabama, especially when you backed them into a quarter. Okay? You back them into a corner, and you bite off a little bit more than you could chew. You doubt Alabama. You doubt them. You doubt them. You doubt them. And then, and then, they get you, and that's when they get you. Usually, that's the case. But I said that Michigan was the most complete team in college football. I said that. I said they were the most complete team in college football. I said that this team, uh, and still is the most complete team in college football with that running back, O-line, quarterback, any position at the positions. And Michigan just played a hard-fought team. And they were not going to be denied. Third time's a charm, right? In the semifinal, third time was a charm. Uh, they lost to they lost to Georgia two years ago. 
They lost to TCU last season, uh, and it progressed. It got better and better. Uh, Georgia beat them, bl- bl- blew them out in the Orange Bowl. Okay, they gave back next year. They lost a close one to TCU. Okay, and then this year, they weren't going to be denied. They were going to finally get the win. They did in overtime. Classic Rose Bowl. Final score, Michigan 27, Alabama 20. Uh, and for this game, J.J. McCarthy, 17 for 27, 221 yards and three touchdowns. Blake Corum, 19 carries, 83 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Roman Wilson, four receptions, 73 yards and a touchdown. Guys, uh, let me just say this. Donovan Edwards, 11 yards, carry. I mean... I'm going to say this as well. I mean, Tyler Morris played good, 45 yards, three receptions, a touchdown. Uh, Blake Corum had a touchdown, a passing touchdown, 35 yards, two receptions, and a receiving touchdown, as well as a rushing touchdown with 83 yards. Blake Corum played lights out. Jason McCarthy played lights out. Uh, and I'm going to say this, guys. Uh, and before that, let's get to some stats for Alabama really quick. 16 for 23, 116 yards. Passing Jalen Milrow, Jalen Milrow, 63 yards rushing, 21 yard, 21 carries. Uh, Jason McCullen, two touchdowns, 87 yards, 14 yard carries, um, or 14 carries. Uh, Justin Haynes, four reception, uh, four carries, 31 yards. Isaiah Bond, four receptions, 47 yards. Jermaine Burton, four receptions, 21 yards. CJ Dupree played good, 15 yards, two receptions. Uh, when you look at this overall, the game, Michigan. And this is my this is my takeaways. Michigan in the trenches physically beat Alabama. They were the most physical team. They were more physical than Alabama. And as much as everybody's going to sit there and say no, 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 yeah, 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 they were. Michigan played phys- more physical than Alabama. They beat them physically. Uh, but I will say this: Alabama shot themselves in the foot a lot. Not only that. I'm going to say this. Alabama was better on defense. You're going to think, are you, what? What are you talking about? Six sacks. Six sacks. Yes. Six sacks for Michigan. Michigan played well on defense. They played extremely well. It was pretty close on how well they both played on defense, but I'm giving the nod to Alabama on defense only because of a lot of the pressure that they put in a lot of Michigan's plays offensively. Oh, the, the, they declined a little bit in running the football. Michigan ran the ball well in the first half. They were going to run the ball again in the second half, and Bama made some adjustments and pressured them a lot and slowed down the run just a little bit. But here's what got them. Alabama shot themselves in the foot with low snaps, turnovers, and play calling is what got Alabama. Uh, low snaps. The center was not in sync with Jalen Milrow all game. About six or seven low snaps the whole game. Uh, excuse me. Turnovers, fumbles. Jalen Milrow fumbled the ball. Uh, muff punts uh, for only on both sides, but fumble for Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow was running, popped the ball out. Michigan got it. And after that fumble, late in the third, Michigan geared it up. And Michigan uh, turned it up and turned it up another notch and got some of that excitement back and were not going to be denied. Uh, they sent the game into overtime. It was 27-20. Uh, 20-20, Michigan scored right off the, the bat, and then Michigan stopped them. Uh, play calling. Prime example was the last play of the game. Play calling. Alabama. Timeout by Bama. Uh, timeout by Michigan. And they had some time between those two timeouts, respectively, to decide which play they were going to run. 
and they ran a quarterback power. And you're thinking, why do you say it like that? Well, I'm saying it like that because Michigan saw it coming. They knew what was coming. Uh, you, my, my honest thoughts were uh, a slip pass to Bond, a uh, curl route to Bond, or a uh, cross route, uh, a small crossing route to Bond or Burton for a touchdown to tie it. But they picked a quarterback power to run in, and Michigan stopped them quickly, shut it down. Michigan won the game, fourth and goal. Michigan made the stand, and they are going to the national championship. Michigan looked good, man. Michigan looks like a team that is not going to be denied this year. Jim Harbaugh and Michigan looks a little bit hungry for a national championship. Final score was 27-20. Alabama uh, looked like they were a little bit slug sluggish on offense. Their defense gave it their all, but their play calling on offense was just kind of out of sync. Uh, they w- weren't ready for a lot of what Michigan was bringing to them. And Alabama's got to go back to the drawing board and let's see what happens during the offseason as they get ready for 2024. Jalen is coming back. Uh, a lot of that offense is coming back. So let's see what happens with Alabama heading into the spring and let's see what adjustments they can make. Uh, and let's see what more, let's see if Jalen Milrow develops a little bit more because I think accuracy was a little bit of an issue yesterday in the Rose Bowl and throughout the season. Let's see what happens with Jalen Milrow when he's got a, a season. As the, as, the, as the starting quarterback and a full season as the, the legit starting quarterback without competing for his job. And let's see what he what happens. Let's see if he develops into the an accurate passer, not just throwing the deep ball, but throwing slip passes, throwing medium-range passes, and throwing short passes. Let's see what he does and how he develops for Alabama going into the offseason. For Michigan, one more game the national championship and let's see what happens Monday come come Houston come Monday let's see what what they do and see what they bring it's Michigan versus everybody they have that mentality JJ McCarthy played an excellent game uh he was they looked a little bit phased at first but they, they that, that quickly died down and Michigan uh got into that game with no fear whatsoever later on Michigan 27 Bama 28 Bama 20 in overtime, classic Rose Bowl. Michigan is going to the national championship game. Let's talk about the Sugar Bowl. And honestly, I thought that I was wrong about this one too. Final score, 37 Washington, Texas 31. Washington will meet Michigan in the national championship game. Man, Michael Penix played lights out. 430 yards, two touchdowns, 28, 29 for 38. Quinn Ewers played great as well. 24 for 43, 318 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Dylan Johnson played good. CJ Baxter played good. Both had touchdowns. Uh, 49 yards for D- Dylan Johnson. Baxter had 64 yards, nine carries. Dylan Johnson had 21 yard, uh, 21 carries. Uh Jaheim Sanders, 75 yards, six receptions. The big highlight for Washington, though, was Rome O'Dunsey. Rome O'Dunsey, man. Six receptions, 125 yards. A man, a, an NFL receiver in a college Washington Huskies uniform. He is an NFL, he is a pro wide receiver, and he he most likely will turn pro after this national championship game. At least I think. I don't, I'm not sure, but I would assume he turns pro. Rome O'Dunsey is, is lights out. I mean, Solid receiver, one of the best in college football, and it was it, Penix was hitting him all game long. It was thirty-seven twenty-one 
Texas made a little bit of a comeback at the end, and it was 15 seconds left, and I blinked, and it was 31-37, and, and Texas was on the ropes about making a comeback, making a comeback early or later on and trying to win the game and go to the national championship against Michigan. But Washington stopped them. Washington stopped them to conclude the game, and they're still undefeated. Got one more to go. Washington looked really, really good, especially in the third quarter. And the third quarter is what struck me about Washington because the time of possession. They ate time of possession up. Two and a half, three minutes was with Texas in the third quarter. 12 minutes was Washington in the third quarter. And they still had the ball going into the fourth. So time of possession with Washington is what gets me. Uh, and if that's something Michigan's going to have to watch out for. Because not only does Washington's offense go at a faster pace, they can also slow it down and carve you up slowly while holding on to the football. you got to get them off the field. And that is what is killer for Texas in this game. Not just that, the turnovers. Uh, let's talk about, I talked about Washington for a good bit. Let's talk about Texas for a little bit. Texas played good except for trying to stop Washington and getting off the field and the turnovers, ball security, they muffed some punts, and they got so they got a couple of fumbles uh, when they were on offense, and then Washington capitalized on that uh, with McMillan, with O'Dunsey, with Westover, with a lot of their receiving core. I mean, uh, uh, Penix, 430 yards and two touchdowns. Penix played lights out through the air, and I think that's what got Texas a little bit, uh, the, the ball security and failing to try to stop them from getting off the field, and that's what kind of slew Texas down, but Texas marched off with the comeback. I mean, Quinn Ewers was trying to, you know, get them, get them late, and they, they, they almost came back. But in the end, Washington just held on. Uh, and, that, and that was my only issue for Texas was ball security and trying to get them off the field. That was my only issues. But other than that, Texas played good in the run. They uh, threw the ball well. And they played with a lot of intensity. It's just Washington beat them in the time of possession. And in some areas, out-physical them, especially at the wide receiver spot. So, uh Nothing much else to say is that Washington could be that team. They could be that team. Uh, they look hungry also, and they look ready to try to go and stop Michigan in the national championship. Uh, if Washington wins it, I'm not going to be upset. I think it's going to be an interesting national title. I mean, this is the first time in since 2014 that the SEC is not represented. It's a different national championship. And who knew, who knew going into this year that this would be the national championship. Washington, Michigan. Who knew? If you talked to me in August and you told me that Washington was going to win the Pac-12, I would, you would have probably said maybe, but USC. I said that Washington was going to go to the Pac-12 title game and lose to USC. I thought Washington was going to go with New Year's Six, and they did, but they were in the playoff. And now they're in the national championship game. If you thought that Michigan and Washington would be playing for the national title, just like they did in 1991 all over again. Same circumstances for Washington. Undefeated, playing Michigan, just like it was in 1991 for them. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think that. You would have thought Georgia was going to three-peat. You would have thought Alabama was going to be in. But it's Washington and Michigan in the national championship. Everybody would have said no. I would have not guessed that. But it's the national championship. Michigan, Washington, and Houston. Final score of this game, 31 37, 
Washington 37, Texas 31. Washington is going to the national championship against Michigan. Texas, Quinn Ewers might be coming back. And it's going to be interesting to see what Quinn Ewers does if he does come back and goes to the SEC with Texas. And let's see what they do in the spring. And let's see what they do come come spring and how they readjust for the SEC. Washington going to the Big Ten next year, so they get a little bit of a preview of the Big Ten with Michigan at the national championship game. So that's all of the bowls. That's all of bowl season. That's all of the New Year's Six and playoffs. Before we preview and predict the national championship, let's talk about Michigan really quick. Michigan has has offered head coach Jim Harbaugh a extension, a 10-year, $125 million extension uh, to stay at Michigan. And there's a clause in there to where he cannot go to the NFL at all in 2024 and even look at NFL head coaching jobs. So it is hard because everyone keeps asking about Jim Harbaugh's future. They're asking me, they're thinking, they're telling me, they're saying, Joel, what's going to happen with Michigan? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? I think Michigan's worried about one thing right now, and that's Monday. I think Jim Harbaugh's worried about one thing right now, and that's Monday. That's trying to win a national championship, finally completing his mission, and uh, bringing a national title home to Ann Arbor. Uh, and third time's a charm, right? Third time's a charm for Michigan. So here's the deal. Jim Harbaugh is one of the only select few coaches to coach a Super Bowl and coach a college football playoff national championship, and he's doing it Monday at Michigan. So when you look at Jim Harbaugh, uh, he hired an agent as well, Don Yee. He represents Tom Brady, and he represents Sean Payton. Uh, and, you, and you're thinking, that's a little suspect. It, it is a little bit. I understand. But he could just be hiring a new agent to sign a new contract in Michigan. He could be hiring an agent to go to the NFL. Who knows? Two jobs that are intriguing to that have been intriguing to probably Jim Harbaugh is the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders, the two head coaching jobs that are open right now. So when you look at Jim Harbaugh, he is looking at one of those jobs and he may be intrigued by it, but he may be intrigued by the fact that if I win another national title, if I can if I win a title at Michigan, I might want to stay and try to climb after more national titles. So when you look at Jim Harbaugh, I'm not going to sit there and say he's going to the NFL. I'm not going to sit there and say he's staying in Michigan. But it's intriguing. Both sides are intriguing. But I'm just going to sit there and say this. Money is not everything. Winning a championship and doing and looking at what John is doing with the Baltimore Ravens right now could be intriguing to him. Okay? So we don't know what's intriguing to Jim Harbaugh. But Jim Harbaugh does. He knows what's intriguing to him. He knows what he wants. We don't know, but he'll know what he wants. It's his decision on what he does. I'm not going to sit there and say that he goes. I'm not going to sit there and say that he stays. But my thoughts are this. If Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL again, he rejects the contract offer, he leaves Michigan after the national championship, win or lose, Michigan is going to have to figure out what they do uh, what to do about head coach. Not only that, J.J. McCarthy may leave. The uh, Edwards may leave. Corum may leave. Uh, Corum's going to leave because he's a senior, but Edwards may leave. I mean, when you look at all these guys, they'll probably leave or, or hit the portal up, maybe. So when you look at it, it's up to Jim Harbaugh and what happens. But 
But the NFL could be intriguing, especially with those two spots opening up with the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. So we'll see what happens. They offered him the extension. He has yet to sign it or decline it. We'll see what happens. He's probably waiting after Monday. So let's go into Monday. Let's preview and predict the national championship game in Houston, Washington against Michigan. Both 14-0. We will we will have an unbeaten national champion here in this season, to end the season. So, national championship, Washington, Michigan. Both 14-0. Here we go. I'm ready for this game. I'm ready to cover the national championship. My first national title. Ready to cover it. Keys to the game. And it's pretty simple. To conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy, Keys to the game. For Washington, you have to slow the running game down of Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, especially Corum. Uh, they ran the ball well against Alabama, and defensively, I would try to figure out a way to physically outman them and slow down the run, especially. Uh, Michigan is a great running team, a top-five running team. They run the ball, and that's mainly their game plan is run the football and tire people out. So before you get tired out, Find a way to slow down Donovan Edwards. Find a way to slow down uh, J.J. McCarthy. He ran the ball extremely well against Bama. Find a way to slow down Corum. Even Alex Orgy, if he comes in, find a way to slow down their package of running the football. Uh, for Michigan, and this is a big key, uh, what Roma Dunsey did and what Jalen McMillan did and what Jalen Polk did, even Jack Westover, Devin Culp, what these guys did, guys, they, if you're if you're Michigan, and if, if Michigan can listen to this, hopefully contain these receivers and contain these receiving cores. Michael Penance is going to be slinging it Monday. His his arm and his and his ability to connect with these receivers and his chemistry with these receivers is second to none in college football. And Roma Dunsey is hard to guard, so you're going to have to figure out a way to not really stop them because I don't think there's a way to stop these guys, but contain them and slow them down. Figure out a way to slow them down. Figure out a way to you know, you know, just pressure them into missing some of these throws and just containing them and slowing them down. That is a big key if you're Michigan against these Washington receivers. And finally, who plays better at quarterback? If you're J.J. McCarthy, he played lights out against Alabama. If you're Michael Penix, he played lights out against Texas. I mean, who plays better at quarterback? I think determining that uh, through the air, Penix provides a more, uh, more versatile assault through the air. If you're providing balance, McCarthy provides more of a balanced assault through the run and through the air. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens and who plays better at quarterback on both on both angles here. Now, who wins the football game? I've been thinking about, I slept on this and I was thinking to myself, who do I pick? It's tough. Washington is such a good team, man. They have the receivers, they have the quarterback, they have a fantastic offense. Uh, they are the underdog, and they are undefeated as the underdog. Michigan is the most complete team in college football uh, on all sides. I've been, I have been. said if Michigan doesn't win the national championship, they may not ever win it or may not win one for a long time. Uh, 
it's tough. One versus two. Michigan, most complete team. They provided a lot. Michigan does. And it's intriguing to me because they can run the ball and they can run it down your throats. And they got the quarterback who is confident enough to bring a balanced attack to you with his legs and with his arm. So it's hard. Michigan, most complete team in college football. But they're favored. And here's a stat. 5-0 and this season as the underdog in games is Washington. Give me Washington to win the national championship. You're thinking, are you serious? Why? Why? What are you, you? You picked Michigan as your number one team and as the most complete team in college football. I still think they are. I still think Michigan is. But I cannot deny the underdog mentality of Washington. So that being said, this year's national champion, Washington defeats Michigan in an upset to win the national championship, and they get Michigan. Uh, I've been thinking about it all night. I've been sleeping on it. I was leaning towards Michigan. I changed my pick. Washington wins the national championship. They win 35-28. Washington 35, Michigan 28 to defeat Michigan to win the national championship in Houston Monday. Michael Penix, Roma Dunze, Kalen DeBoer get a national championship and they bring it back to Seattle to end a undefeated season and to bring the Pac-12 is last national championship. Washington 35, Michigan 28, Washington defeats Michigan and sends Michigan down back to Ann Arbor in heartbreak. Guys, that concludes today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're listening on and watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spot, Spotify, Podbean, and Apple. Share around with others and follow on there as well. X, Instagram, and Facebook. Just type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You'll get Insta- You'll get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's college football trivia question, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, we will be back Thursday for week eight, for the, the recap week 17 and the preview and predict week 18, the last week of the regular season for the NFL as we march closer to the NFL playoffs. Guys, I'm Joel Norris signing off. We will see you Thursday for NFL Day. As always, stay the course, enjoy the national championship, and we will be back then. We'll be back Thursday. Guys, signing off, stay the course, and have a great rest of your Tuesday, and we will see you Thursday for Pigskin Frenzy.